0: Yeah, thanks, brother. Good morning. Well, it's great to be here. Um, I've been—I've actually been here before. I preached one time before in the Spanish congregation, and so it's—it's it's a pleasure and an honor to be here to share God's word with you in English as well. Uh, so, my name is Rick and Kelly. We—we—I've uh, been in Miami for one year after serving with the International Mission Board for 20 years. I'm the director of the Miami Baptist Association. And um, one of the great things that we get to do or that I get to do is visit our different churches. And so I remember the first time, you know, you guys are, are very blessed for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, you, a couple of things. First of all, you have a beautiful, gorgeous sanctuary, right? And then, you know, your, your worship team is, is incredible, you know, I don't know. You know, you have what you have here, but uh, and, and all to all to God goes all the glory. And I actually visited once, and I've heard Jordan preach, and he is quite the preacher too, very gifted. And so you guys are a blessed congregation, and I'm honored to be able to serve you as the director of the Miami Baptist Association. Let me pray, and we'll get into the word. Father, thank you so much uh, for your. Kindness and your love and your mercy. Lord, thank you for churches like New Beginnings that week in and week out, actually just all throughout the week, every day, they're ministering in your name. Lord, seeking to uh, introduce people that don't know you to, to salvation, to forgiveness, to eternal life. And I pray, God, I thank you for all that you've done in New Beginnings, and I pray that you will continue in great measure. To use new beginnings in this way father now as big time in each of our hearts including mine thank you that you are here you are present with us and father i entrust this time and this word and message to you i pray that you will be honored and glorified in jesus name i pray amen guys i don't know uh, how many of you have traveled a whole lot uh, outside of your state into different parts of our country Perhaps to other areas of the world, but you might be shocked to know that according to polls, 57% of Americans have never left their state. And then beyond that, 37% of Americans have never left their little town or the city that they've ever, that they grew up in. They just like it, they hadn't had the the desire to go visit anywhere else. So, so they stay and they live their happy life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this is the thing. A lot of times when we travel or the more that we are exposed to, the more of the world that we can see and understand the good and the bad. Okay, so if you've traveled a lot or at least you've experienced a lot, you, you have more knowledge You are challenged as well in many different ways. Now, and John tells us something that if we try to put ourselves into the minds of his hearers, um, it's quite shocking when we think from the minds of his hearers to our minds and to our world how much more of a difference there is and how much more the implications of this passage should mean for us. And so the Scripture today comes from 1 John 2, verses 15 to 17. Let me read it real quickly. Just three verses. The Scripture says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. Okay, so think, John writing 2,000 years ago, talking about not loving the world again the people that lived during that ancient times the world that they've been exposed to okay so to people that perhaps the farthest they've ever gone in their life in that time was probably as to the extent of wherever their sheep went that's where these people went So if their sheep traveled half a mile, that's probably as far as these people have ever traveled. Now, if they lived in the cities, it would be much more. So if he tells the people of that time that had limited knowledge of all things good, bad, and ugly of the world, imagine now how this is supposed to impact us, this command to not love the world. Why? Why are we so much impacted? Now, listen, I just want to give a caveat. This message is not an anti-technology message. It's not an anti-phone message. It's not an anti-laptop message. But just think how much of the world we have access to in a thing that's, what, seven inches by three inches or four inches? Just think about that. You can see the best and the worst and the ugliest and the most vile of what all the world has to, to offer in that little doohickey that's in your hands. You young people know what a doohickey is? You probably never heard that. Like 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 my brother said, we're we're old guys, some of us. But anyway, so this has input to the world. Okay? Simple. Just say no to the world because verse one. Says, well, verse uh, 15 says, do not love the world. Real simple. That's how it starts. First point just say no to the world because you are a son or daughter of the Father. So do not love the world. Now, if we just take those first three words in isolation, do not love, it comes as a little bit of a surprise to us because if you have read the books of John, the book of John, 1, 2, 3 John, and then Revelation, you know that John is, he's the pastor, I will call him the apostle of love, okay? He is the apostle of love. He's always talking about love. Love God. Love your neighbor. Don't hate people. And so he was the one that even mentioned himself that he's the one that the Lord loved. And so when John says, do not love, our spiritual ears and and our, our spirit should awaken. He uses the word love over 73 times in his book. Now listen, do not love the world. Command. That means that we have to obey it or we should try our best to obey this. But I want to be the first to admit that this could be us, does not love some aspect of the world. Okay? We love the world. It says even don't love the things of the world. I like the things of the world. I sometimes love the things of the world. In fact, you know, Kelly and I, we've been back only one year in the United States, we've been gone for a long time. And so the first time in our married life, we've got to buy a house, we've got to buy cars. And so we've been wanting to buy a car. And so I said, listen, I'm, I'm a practical, Kelly might say cheap, but I'm a practical, frugal person. And I, and I said, Kelly, listen, we're back in the States. We don't know what we can afford, what we can't afford. We need a car. We just need something. This is, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, we're trying to psych ourselves. So we need a vehicle that can get us from point A to point B and that's it. Okay? It doesn't have to be a nice vehicle, it doesn't have to be fancy. We don't have to keep up with the Rodriguez's next door. Point A to point B. So we're like, "Okay, we're going to spend, we're going to go to that car lot and we're not going beyond $10,000. We're going to do it. We can find a car for $10,000." And so we go to the car lot and we find one of these vehicles and and we get into the vehicle. And, you know, I, the first thing you notice, I don't know if you've gone car shopping lately, but you don't get much for 10000 anymore. You should, but you don't. all, like, crinkled. And the lady told us, no, nah, they, they, they cleaned it with a bad leather so it, like, shriveled up and this and that. There's, like, coffee stains on the headliner. And I'm just like, man, okay. And I keep psyching myself. No, it, you know, this car is fine. It will get us from point A to point B. So we get out of the car and then I notice some shiny things over this way, right? Things that, that just look a little bit nicer. They're 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 waxed a little bit better. And so I say, you know, we say, hey, let's let's just let's just go look. Let's just go look. We'll 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 peek inside the, the glass, the window. You know, even if, even if we just get in, you know, it's going to be all right. Uh, maybe it'll help us get over the temptation. So you probably know what happened. So we get into the nicer, newer model, you know, we get in, and I'm telling you, it's just, it's beautiful, it's immaculate, there's no ripped, there's no stains, there's no nothing, and all of a sudden, you know, our battle plan, it just goes straight out the window, and uh, so I just, and guess what, we, we went in wanting to spend 10000 we left like double that. <laughs> But it's the allure of the world, you know, and I'm not saying that's necessarily a sin. I'm not saying that God wants us to drive beater cars, wants us to dress badly and all that kind of stuff. But the point is this impacts and affects each and every one of us. But the thing is, is this what John's talking about? When he says, do not love the world, what is he talking about? So there's two words that we really need to identify to find really quickly. The word love, like what's John talking about when he talks about love? And then what's he talking about when he talks about the, the word world? Um, let's talk about Love. When John talks about love, let's set aside any of the cultural or popular ideas of what love is. Normally, we think of love as some type of emotion that begins, sometimes it begins in the heart, sometimes it begins in the the stomach with butterflies, and then all of a sudden it leads you to some type of uncontrollable state of ecstasy. It's the type of love that is highlighted in movies, films, and show today, but really, this is not the type of love that John is talking about. John's definition of love is not something sentimental, but it's rooted in a desire that leads to commitment, that leads to an allegiance. Right? It, be, it can begin with desire. Love should begin with a desire. If you love your spouse, it began, it may have begun here. But usually, you've been married 20, 30 years, allegiance and it's, it's I'm going to stick with you no matter what. That is love. You're mine, I'm yours. Come heck or high water. We are together. I didn't want to say the other word. I don't know what's permitted at new beginnings or not. It's a devotion. And this commitment and allegiance, it leads then to action that impacts every facet of life. I love how pastor and author John Stott put it. He says that love is a steady devotion of the will. Let me illustrate this. There's a, there's a little village in Antarctica called Villas Las Estrellas. Other than them being frigid, okay, I don't know anybody that would want to live in Antarctica, it's crazy because the nearest hospital in, in that town is 625 miles away, okay? And so if you want to go live there, that's that's commitment. That's an incredible desire. But what even ups the ante is that as of 2018, due to the danger of living there, the the, the, the council of that town, they decided that if you're going to live here Every single person, man, woman, or child, doesn't matter how appendix, appendix removed. Okay? So if you're gonna come and you're gonna commit here, you're gonna remove something. And that's going to be the test of whether you can live here. To me, that's a good picture of what the type of love that John is talking about. It's the type of love and commitment that says, no matter what, I'm going to give up everything and all for you or for whatever thing. That's love, according to John. Now, world. World could be defined in two different ways. World could be this this rock, this sphere that we live on, but it also could be, and I think this is what John's talking about, and the commentators all kind of agree on this that John is talking about the world as kind of like a system. It's a system. And so it's, it constitutes the people that are in this world and the things that are in this world, whose values, beliefs, and morals are in distinction and rebellion and in rebellion to God's. An author, Dr. Merrill Unger, he says he made note that in the more than 30 important passages, the Greek word "cosmos" it's what, you know the word "cosmonaut." The word cosmopolitan, which means a citizen of the world, this is the word, the word for world, is employed in the New Testament to portray the whole mass of unorganized governmentally as a system or a federation under Satan. Now that sounds kind of heavy, right? right? That, that's language that we don't, we don't usually employ to talk about this world that we live in. But listen to what God uh, what God through John says. In 1 John 5:19, he says, "We know that we are of God." Right? He's recognizing, he's speaking to Christians. He says, "We are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one." And so, what are the types of things he's talking about? And I'll just quickly just mention a few. Uh, This type of world, right, that is opposed to God, that leads others away from God, it could be political systems, right? It could be political, whatever party or non-party we're a part of, we could find it there. We can see the world in operation in our educational system. Uh, Even think of Miami, even think of Miami. Again, we have gone from places that were pretty affordable to a city that I don't know how any of us are surviving, okay? Think about a system or a place where the family has to work multiple jobs, right, to be able to afford a house, afford cars. And then you're so tired by the end of the work week that you don't want to do anything, you don't think that people aren't here in church today because their work week was so difficult because they've got to work to the bone that they're so tired that they don't even have time for God. So again, just think the, the world defined here is anything that leads us away from God. So do you see now why we are commanded to not love the world? In fact, John says that if you love the world, this is a warning for each and every one of us. If, if we love the world in this way, right? So it's not about, man, I, I want a, new, a nice car that's going to get me from here to there. It's not about having a nice house. This is not an anti-technology, anti possession type, you know, ha- don't have a nice house. No, This is an anti-anything. You know, we need to, I've been pondering this verse. Lord, what are the things in my life that is starting to take me the way of the world? What are those things that are leading me away from you in thought, in my heart, and in my actions? And the warning is that if we love that system, right, if we love that system, like with, remember, what is love? It's devotion. Love the world in that way. The implication is pretty obvious. John says it. He says the love of the Father is not in him or in her. And so I, I just want to move us to, to battle against the world, okay? This, look what John fifteen nineteen says. Again, talking to Christians, he says, if you were of the world, the implication is that you're not. But if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, and because I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Folks, why would we give ourselves to something that is going to hate us? Right? Why would I give my heart to a world that is never going to love me back, because it can 't, my wife and I were married because we love each other, but if I loved her and she hated me back, right, we never would have gotten married ever. So this is what John is talking about. This is the thing: if you live your life on this earth as one. Wholeheartedly committed to God. So, why would we give ourselves to something like that? Those of you who are in Christ, okay, this is those of you who are in Christ. I don't know who is and who is not in Christ, but if you're in Christ, you were birthed in God's heart and God's mind from before the foundation and the creation of the world. Like God knew you way back then. God loved you way back then. It's a period of time that we as humans we can't even fathom. You were in his mind, you were in his heart, he created you to love him, he created you, you were created to live and worship God. That is your purpose. On this earth to worship God and that comes from the heart of God so when we compare this type of love to the love of the world that can't do really anything for us the love of this world is cheap in comparison to God's love that's our second point just say so you no know the world because it's cheap and unsatisfying verse 16 For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the world—that That is to say that whatever we think that we're going to get from the world, it cannot give it to you. Think about Jesus when he was tempted in the desert. He's out there for 40 days. He's hungry. Satan tries to get him to, to, to change the rocks to bread, right? You know, Satan knows where we are weak. Satan knows how to try to get us to follow his way. Satan tempts him with other things, but one of the things that he does is he shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. And he says to to our Lord, he says, look, if you will only bow down and worship me, I will give you all of these kingdoms. It will all be yours. And, you know, if you think about it, Satan's not very smart. Because guess what? All of that belongs to Jesus anyway. It belongs to him anyway. But the thing is, is that Jesus, being Jesus, knows that whatever Satan was offering him, the kingdoms and the power and all the everything in the world, that that wouldn't satisfy him ever. And the reality is, friends, is it's never going to satisfy us as well. No matter how convinced, no matter what aspect of the world is presented before you and tempts you, just say no to the world. It is cheap and it is unsatisfying. Why would someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus love, love, of Jesus love the world in this way? And the, this is the thing. It says, do, do not love the world and the things in the world. And John kind of defines some of the things that he's talking about. He mentions in verse 16 the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and he mentions the pride in our possessions. And this is the thing, there's a large segment of our society that is trying to convince you that these other things, that the things in this world, the world itself is what you need and what you want. It tries to convince you that if you would just go after the world in this way, that it's not going to harm anybody, right? Let's just talk real quickly about two things, promiscuity. Okay. You know, there's a million things I could talk about. Million sins that we can mention, but promiscuity is one of them. Why? Because I've just mentioned that one because it talks about the lust of our flesh, and that's one of the main ways. Even so, promiscuity kind of promises you that well, you only have one life to live. My son's twenty-two, and and I mentioned the word YOLO. I just learned what YOLO means. You know, I was trying to be you know hip with him, and he says, "Dad, YOLO." That's from like fifteen years ago. But this is the lie that Satan tells us. We only live once. We have, you know, we we don't want to miss out on life. And so just do it. It feels good. Do it. And do lots of it, right? You only live once after all. But the thing is, we know that promiscuity leads to a lot of bad things. And to illustrate this, there's there's a researcher. He's not even a Christian. His name is Alex Jordan. He mentions the fact that Genghis Khan, if you ever heard of Genghis Khan, he was like a warlord, a Mongol warlord in the 13th century. He fathered hundreds and thousands of children as his army swept across Asia. So high was his reproductive success that Genghis Khan's Y chromosome is now found in 16 million men across Asia. So he... he, Hearing about him, this secular non-Christian researcher, he starts to wonder, I wonder if there's any kind of negative repercussions to this type of life. Anybody raise guppies? Guppies are it's a freshwater fish. So he decides, you know, what I didn't know is that guppies, they give birth like they don't have they don't give birth like the normal way fish do. They give birth like humans do, like a just a full guppy comes out. It's not an egg or whatever. So I guess that's why he chose guppies. But, so he takes guppies, and he makes two sets of tanks. In one set of tanks, he puts a male guppy and a female guppy, and those are, quote-unquote, the married guppies. And over here, he puts uh, one male guppy with a, a plethora of female guppies, and then to see what happens there. And so over the course of time, he's studying the two tanks and studying the reactions and the health of these Of these guppies, and what he found was very was very interesting. Um, He found that the guppies in the second tank, like the tank of promiscuity, right? He found that in the second tank, that male guppy spent so much time pursuing the females that he neglected all other essential life tasks, including looking for food. And over the course of their lives, the costs were greater still. The promiscuous males, they grew more slowly and to a smaller adult size than the monogamous males, as well as tending to die sooner. In contrast, the married males ate longer, while the promiscuous males may have maximized their short-term success. These are his words. In the long term, they paid significant costs, and they ended up hungry, skinny, and dead. In summary, he demonstrates how even in the natural environment, non-spiritual, promiscuity is detrimental and monogamy is beneficial. Friends, God knows what he's doing. Guppy lust is bad. Don't be like the guppies. But because of sin and society at large, you know, we are sometimes enticed by these things. The seminary president said... Sin is fun, enticing, and attractive. We are drawn to it like a fly to flypaper and like a fish to a baited hook. I can mention pornography, which is a scourge on men and women of all ages, ministers alike. Uh, Kelly and I, serving with the International Mission Board, we, there's a program called the Journeyman Program where you get to go and serve for two years as a, as, a, as a paid missionary. If you're a young person, graduate from college, I would encourage you to consider this program. Kelly did it, this Journeyman Program for every one male. You know why? You know why the males can't go on the Journeyman Program? Because of pornography. Because of pornography, it disqualifies them from going as missionaries. So we see how the, God wants us to follow him with all heart, mind, and soul. The world wants us to follow it, right? It leads us away from God. We think, it doesn't, we think pornography and these other types of things that don't hurt anybody. But yet, when you see it, our young men can't go on the mission field because they're attached to this stuff. So it's impacting the worldwide missions movement, And we need young men and men of all ages and women to step up and say no to this stuff so we can go and be missionaries and preach Christ in the world. So it does affect us. It affects the kingdom of God. The last thing, pride and possessions. He mentions that. This is material lust. I'm not going to go into this much. Um, Like I said, possessions in and of itself are not bad. But when you don't recognize from where those things come, meaning that everything that we have comes from God. You see, pride and possessions, it's when I say, man, I worked for that. I did that. I created my destiny. I'm my own champion. No. Whatever you have, God gave that to you. So let's, let's be humble in this. The last point. is just say no to the world because it's all passing away. Look at verse 17. And the world with this lust is passing away. It's right there, plain. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. Another reason, folks, whatever this world offers us, it's just, again, it's so cheap, so unsatisfying that God doesn't even deem it, um, good enough to to maintain it it's passing away it's all going to be eliminated all of it the only thing that remains is that which will truly satisfy us and last for in eterni- eternity don't believe the saying the one who dies with the most toy- toys wins it's a lie the one who wins is the one who can discern between the things of the world and the things of God and then chooses to chase after the things of God as what? As a steady devotion of the will. I choose, right? Listen, the the desire to love God, it begins there, like this my heart, I'm desiring God because he's weak, and you're beginning to desire him and you're beginning to follow him and you want to know more about him because he's so good and wonderful and beautiful. and then all of a sudden that desire you have causes you to come to church and then you want to start hanging out with other believers and then you want to come to the young adult group and you want to go to the women's Bible study and you want to go to the potluck. Right? We're Baptists. We have to have potluck. And so so it does begin with the desire, but you commit. And a lot of times you just have to make the commitment. Say, I'm not going to go after this anymore. I'm going to commit to go after this. Why? You do it because you believe that on this side... Committing to God and Christ and faith and action and commitment and desire, all that, you believe with all your heart that that is ultimately what is going to satisfy you. Ultimately, that is what's going to make you feel, um, in Spanish there's a a fulfilled, that's the word I was looking for, fulfilled. We got to believe it because this is the thing, if we don't believe it, we're always going to be swayed this way. That's what sin is because we believe for whatever sin is enticing us that in that moment or those moments, that is going to cause me more satisfaction than obeying God and following hard after God. That's what sin is. That's what happens. So God leads us. We we live in the world, but we are not of the world. I love what John Piper says. He says, if you love the world, it will pass away and it will take you with it. But let me spin it positively. If you love God... You're going to do the will of God, and as God remains forever, as the Scripture says, you will as well. Think of a scuba diver. A scuba diver, his natural habitat is not under the water, right? A scuba diver has to take his environment with him under the water to survive, right? So he brings the tanks so he can survive in that hostile environment. That's what God calls us to do. We live in a hostile environment that without him we can't survive. Our environment is the Holy Spirit of God living in and through us. And even though we're in this world, we take that environment with us into this world. This is the way we do the will of God and remain forever through faith. We 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 need to be spiritually vaccinated with the Holy Spirit against the virus that is this world. Mark eight thirty six. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world yet lose his life? It is possible to resist. I love what in John what John says in John fourteen thirty. He says, "Look, I'm, I will not talk with you much longer." If you are in Christ, he says. He has no power over me. In Christ, just believe it, recognize it, act on it. The evil one has no power over you, or you, or you, or you. The reality is absent Christ to end. The reality is absent Christ. If you don't have Christ, you don't have his presence in you, You're always going to give yourself to the world, always. And you're going to believe that the world and the things in it are going to bring you that ultimate and lasting satisfaction. It won't. Some of you today, this morning, may be in that position. You know what I'm talking about. You've been eagerly looking for that next best thing that's going to fulfill you. It could be emotions. It could be a relationship. It could be a pill, a fat, whatever, an experience And you think that this is the key that unlocks the door to lasting happiness and fulfillment. But the door always shuts and you feel trapped inside your hopes and your expectations. And then you go desperately searching for that next thing. That's what the world is going to give you. But this doesn't have to be your life. You give yourself in repentance and faith to Jesus Christ because he promises to forgive you and to living water that satisfies all thirst he's the bread of life that satisfies all hunger he's the prince of peace and he's the door that leads to everlasting life so you can begin to do the will of God and live the life God wants you to have in him so sitting here tonight i don't listen i don't know how the church does it but Listen, you can give your life to Christ seated right there. You can do it. God has spoken to you. You're convinced or you realize you've been chasing after the world and you realize that's not where it's at. Now Jesus is calling you to him. You can give your life and repentance and faith right where you're sitting. You just cry out to him. It could be internally within your spirit. You can do it. You have leaders in the church that you can go to after and say, look, I'm there. I want to be over here. I want to be with Christ. Tonight at your home, after dinner, while you're laying in bed waiting for work tomorrow, you can give your life to Christ tomorrow night, this night. While you're at the office, right, your boss is yelling at you. He's of the world. And you can say, Lord, I'm ready to go after you, and you can give your life to Christ in that office tomorrow, bill you forever and ever and ever and ever. Let me pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. thank you for this reminder, Lord. Lord, we confess we have, uh, perhaps at times, even those of us who are already yours. Perhaps there are times that, that we have gone that way or we have fallen or we have believed the lie even for a moment. And Lord, we, we've we succumbed. We've, we've gone that way. But Lord, thank you that you are so good and kind. We are reminded that, that your Father sent you to die on that cross for us. You've paid the penalty already. You were buried and you rose again and you live and father because of that we are living and so we thank you i pray god um, those of us who are in the faith already lord strengthen us continue to remind us that you are so much better than the world if there's somebody that doesn't know you father i pray right now that they would cry out to you in faith praying lord repenting of their sins, trusting in you, God, Just, just putting it all there, saying, Lord, here I am, and may it happen for your honor and for your glory and for the extension of your kingdom. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.